This is American Deep Dive, and I am your host, Sean Kane. Today's date is March 11th, 2020, and this is a Wednesday. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about who we are as Americans. Now, when somebody asks you, Um, what your political stance is. I'm going to say a vast majority of you would say, well, I'm down the middle. I'm pretty moderate. I feel a certain way about certain things. Um, Another another, um, expression that you commonly hear is, I'm socially liberal and I am fiscally conservative. Okay. So I think that's something that you hear a lot on cable TV. It's something that makes people feel good because when you're running a household, you want to be fiscally conservative. You don't want to go spending, um, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on a trip to Disney World when you can't afford to pay your rent or you can't afford to pay your mortgage. So you think of yourself as fiscally conservative. Well, let's look at what this means for the country. So... Republicans typically get a rep for being fiscally conservative. If you look at the past 30, 35, 40 years, each Republican president has ran up a deficit that was higher than when he took office. And uh, the two Democratic presidents have uh, cut the deficit. So that sort of cuts into what their whole economic theory is, that you're going to be fiscally conservative. But I still think a lot of people out there think that they're fiscally conservative on political issues and that they're probably um, socially liberal. So when you look at these topics, um, you know, you look at, One of the big uh, campaign promises that Donald Trump had in 2016 was, we're going to build that wall. We're going to build that wall on the southern border, and Mexico is going to pay for it. Okay, so do we even want this wall that Mexico is never going to pay for, we're going to pay for? Do we want it? Nope. 56% are against building the wall. All right, so that's the wall. Trump's controversial. Might be nothing. Okay, let's look at the wealth tax. Now, that's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's proposal to increase, to not to increase, to propose a tax on wealth, which currently doesn't exist in this country for people making more than $10 million per year. So let's look at, you know, that that sounds extreme. How could we do that? Oh, 62% of the American people are for that. 34% are against it. Okay, so let's look at, let's look at abortion. 52% pro-choice, 43% pro-life. All right, so let's look at climate, all these tree huggers out there. (laughs) I bet, I bet we're, why do we have to go and get smaller cars? It's these electric cars everyone's talking about. All right, so let's look at the Green New Deal. That was a proposal from uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is very, very controversial, especially in middle America. So there's nothing we're going to be for from her, right? Uh, No. 
63% support the Green New Deal. Thir uh, 32% are against. So that's a transition to uh, electric cars, away from fossil fuel, and 63% of the American people are for that. So that's not some extreme proposal. The people that are against it are the extremists. They're not with 63% of the country. Uh, the Paris Agreement, and that's a deal that was negotiated by President Obama that President Trump pulled us out of uh, for the time being. And let's see what that is. 53% think we should have stayed in. 31% are against. Okay. Um, Social Security, it's an extremely popular program, so it should be no surprise to you that 74% of people are against cutting it. 25% are for cutting Social Security. And I say that to you because part of President Trump's budget proposal for next year is a cut in Social Security, as well as in Medicare. So Medicare which is the most popular healthcare program in the country, 72% are against cutting Medicare. All right, let's talk about guns. So this is a gun country. We have over 300 million of them. So I'm sure people are going to be very hesitant to be for any gun, uh, gun control proposals, right? Nope. Again, 83% are for background checks on guns. 14% are against. Well, all right, maybe they're for the background checks, but they can't ban the sale of assault weapons of the AR-15, of different, of different guns like that. Oh, nope, they are. 56% are for banning assault, assault weapons such as the AR-15. 41% are against. Um, let's look at marijuana. So, <laughs> I know people don't want a bunch of reefer addicts running around out there. Oh, nope, 66% are for the legalization of marijuana. 33% are against it. Still think we're a center-right country? Or are we center-left? The people are mostly progressive. This is not a conservative country. It's not, I heard it put the one time, it's a soup can country. We're not. This is a progressive country. We believe in making improvements. We believe in furthering society. We do not want to be stuck in the past. Now, the politicians in Washington might be. Because if you go issue by issue, all the ones that I laid out for you, that you're probably sitting there, and at least on most of them, you're probably thinking, well, yeah, I'm probably on the liberal side of that. It's no mistake. Because you are. But your politicians are not. The politicians are not representing your best interests. They're representing their corporate interests. They're representing their donors' interests. You really think if politicians weren't getting paid off by the NRA, you really think we still wouldn't have background checks on guns? Of course we would. When you have people get mowed down in schools, of course we would have background checks on guns. All right, and look, to be fair, 
there are some things that the American people are still pretty conservative on. They are 51% of the American public supports work requirements for welfare. Okay, we're a hardworking country. People believe strongly that we should all pitch in to society and do our fair share of work. Okay, uh, 58% are against the death penalty, or for the death penalty. Only 35% believe we should ban it. Again, we, I, I am against the death penalty. I understand some people want it legal. I do, I get that. So as I said, we're a center-left country. We're not a center-right country. Most of the American people agree with us on most of the issues. And now let's look at a big one, and that's health care. So you hear all the time about warning against the that they don't want government health care. They're 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 afraid that we're gonna become communist if we do what the rest of the world does. We are the only first world country. I repeat, we're the only first world industrialized country without a universal health care program. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you that 56% of the country supports a national health care program and 40% are against it. The country leans left. I mean, you know, you go through all these, and there are many more that I could bring up for you. They, they want to, I, I apologize, I didn't look up the percentage on how many people want us out of wars in the Middle East. But that number's also high. We want to invest here at home. Uh, infrastructure spending, that's, that's a great topic. This is something that President Trump even promised, that we would increase, that we would have a robust infrastructure program. It hasn't come to fruition. And 87% of the country supports an increase in funding for our infrastructure that's crumbling. You ever drive on these bridges, especially here in Scranton? They were built in, I think, the 1940s. And they look like they haven't been repaired since then either, to be honest with you. So you look at all these things that even Republicans like Donald Trump pretend to support. They're all popular. So the next time somebody in corporate media says, well, we're a center-right country and... We're not, we're not, we, the American people can't handle moving this far to the left and these leftist radicals. They mean you. They mean you. You're the leftist radicals that they're thinking of. When in reality, they're the radical ones because they don't want to do most of any of these. They don't want the wealth tax. They want to cut your social security. They want to, and if you're a young person, they don't want you to have it in 50, in 50 years. Believe this. And it's very easy to find. I looked at CNN polling. I looked at PBS polling. I looked at Gallup polling. They all say the same thing. Now, that was our first deep dive. And now, on to the news. So, as many of you probably know, we are in the... The Democrats are in the process of finding a candidate for the general election. They are in their primary process. 
And right now, the candidates remaining are Joe Biden, former vice president, Bernie Sanders, senator from Vermont, and Tulsi Gabbard, who was a congresswoman from Hawaii. And last night was another good night for Joe Biden. He has been on fire since the South Carolina primary a few weeks back. He now has a commanding lead. The last time I saw it, he led by almost 200 delegates. And the looks like he won in Michigan. He won in Missouri. He won in Mississippi. Won in Idaho. And uh, Senator Sanders won in North Dakota. Where does that leave us now? Well, I believe Joe Biden is the definitely the prohibitive favorite to be the nominee. I think he will be the Democrats' nominee. Uh, next week, there is Florida, Illinois, Ohio, and Arizona. According to 538, Nate Silver's website, Biden is favored by 35 points in, uh, in Florida next week, 11 in Illinois, 10 in Ohio, and 12 in Arizona. And there's also a debate on Sunday. So one of the things that worries me a lot about nominating Vice President Biden, who I believe is a good man, who, full full disclosure, I will be supporting if he is the nominee. But one of the reservations I have about him is if you watch him interact with people on the debate stage, he's had more than just his typical gaffes that he's always had. Um, sometimes it looks like he, the one time he said he was in Vermont, he was in New Hampshire. He'll snap at people. The one time he was talking to a uh, an Iowa man, and the Iowa man appeared to be maybe a little overweight, and he meant to say... Uh, According to him, he meant to say, look, facts. He ended up saying, look, fat. Fat as an F-A-T. He um, tends to forget himself. He forgot Barack Obama's name the other day. He was Barack Obama's vice president. So there are things that concern me a lot about Joe Biden and how he's going to match up with Donald Trump in the general. And, you know, I, I see online a lot on Twitter, on Facebook, and I am a Senator Sanders supporter, and I see from his, not from his camp, but from some of his supporters, they say he has dementia, and look, guys, that's not helpful to be saying when he might be the nominee, and we don't know if it's true. None of these people on Twitter have done a medical evaluation of Joe Biden, so don't say he has dementia. But it's fair to say it looks like he lost a step. He is not as sharp as he was when he was vice president. And that's for a variety of different reasons. He's older. He is 77, I believe. And, you know, just in the past few years, he had a son who died. He's in the process of running for president. His other son is mired by scandal. You remember the Burisma scandal in Ukraine. It was the source of President Trump's impeachment. So he has a lot that he's dealing with. And as I said, he's older. He's been around a while. And I worry very much about what he's going to be like in November against President Trump, who I hope 
if he gets the nomination, he could he could defeat. So I also want to talk about Bernie Sanders. He, <clears throat> excuse me, he appears to be very far behind. And he appears not to have that great of a shot to be the nominee. And that's just the facts. So should he drop out? I don't believe he should yet. I think anything could happen in politics. Joe Biden was seen as dead politically just a month ago. He got walloped in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. And then he won a state. And he got some momentum. And he looked good in the debate. He got some more momentum. And then on Super Tuesday, he surprised everybody. He won Maine, which is right up by where Bernie Sanders lives. He won Massachusetts, which is Elizabeth Warren's home state. We're going to get into her, too. He won Minnesota. He wasn't favored to win any of these. He only spent $7,000 in... It was either Minnesota or Massachusetts. I, for, I honestly forget which one. But he, he didn't spend much money there. He never went to campaign in these places. And, and he won. So it begs the question, if he won in all these states that he wasn't favored in, God, he, he might run the table. And I agree, he might. So if Bernie Sanders loses those four states next Tuesday, I do believe he should drop out. And anybody who knows me personally knows I love Bernie Sanders. I think he's an awesome person. I think he's a great senator. I think he's a great American. He's a guy that started, he he didn't have much money at all growing up. He lived in a rent-controlled apartment in Brooklyn. He was the son of immigrants. His Half his family was wiped out by the Holocaust. He's an American success story. I think he represents the best of America. He was marching with Martin Luther King in the 1960s. And he's never stopped fighting for people, ever. He's done it his whole life. So it pains me to say he should drop out next week, but he should. If if he doesn't do well, of course. If he wins, if he could pull out Ohio or Illinois, or maybe squeak one out in Arizona, then sure, stay in. You should, because you can still have a chance to win as we saw with Biden just a month ago. But if you lose, it's over, Bernie. It's over then. But it's not over yet. Don't give up. And a further point on that, something you hear from a lot of Democrats now, they're saying, oh, Bernie's Bernie's got to drop out. He, But Bernie, he's, he's got to go. He's got to go. Bernie's got to go. No, he doesn't. He doesn't need to go yet. He's only behind by less than 200 delegates. He doesn't need to go yet. He should keep fighting. He should keep fighting for what he represents because there are big policy differences on Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. And those those are popular. The things he, Bernie supports in the exit polls are popular. I'll give you an example. I know I was just talking about polling in my, in my uh, deep dive, but... One of the big hot topics going into this race was Medicare for All. And when you look at the polling, in each state, now this is only among Democrats, to be fair, this is only among Democratic primary voters. In each state, Bernie's health care plan wins. 
Medicare for all wins in each state, even the states Joe Biden won in. Joe Biden beat Bernie Sanders by a million points in Mississippi. (laughs) But Medicare for all was still popular. It was still preferred to Joe Biden's plan, which is a public option. And a deep dive, maybe someday, we'll get into the differences. But, nonetheless, Bernie's plans are popular. People want somebody more liberal in the Democratic Party. The revolution is coming, people. I just don't think it's Bernie. And it pains me to say it because I wish it was. I wish he could take us. But I don't think it's going to be him. But I could be wrong. Because I thought Joe Biden, admittedly, I thought he was left for dead just a month ago, politically. And look at him now. So Bernie, stay in. But next month, or not next month, next week, if you don't win, you got to get out. You got to get out. So the other big news story of the of the week, of really the month, is this coronavirus. It started in China, and it's made its way to Italy. It's made its way all over Europe. But Italy in particular, it's been devastating towards. And now it's here in the United States. And I am not an alarmist by these things. Anybody who's my age has been through, if you're a little older than me, you probably remember SARS. You remember the swine flu, which I don't even think it came over here. The bird flu, Ebola. I remember just five years ago, we were all going to die of Ebola, but that never happened. And now it's coronavirus. So my first reaction was probably a lot like yours. You probably thought, the these again, media is going to be hyping this up. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coronavirus, this flu. That's, that's what you mean. It's about the flu. We get the flu every year, don't we? Well... And admittedly, like I said, I thought the same way. I am not an alarmist when it comes to these things. I do not. uh, The media hypes things up way too much. Saying, oh, look at this. We're we're all going to die. We're all going to get sick. And it's going to kill us all. And do I think it's going to get like that? No. But do I think it's more serious than the flu? Yeah, probably. Do I think it's going to kill a lot of people? Yep. And that's... That's going to be the reality. Your life is going to be greatly affected by this, whether you get sick from it or not. Because with with one of these diseases, it starts from one person, goes to two people, goes to four people, goes to eight people, goes to 16 people, goes to 32 people, and so on and so forth. And that's what's going to happen here. And look, you might be thinking, well, Sean, look, I'm young. I could deal with the flu. It looks like it's a little worse than the flu. What's 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 the harm to me? I'm gonna keep living my life, which you should do. By the way, you shouldn't stop living your life until we can't. What what am I gonna do about it? Well, obviously you gotta wash your hands, and that seems to be a novel concept for some people for some reason. But the reason you should be afraid of this is think of your grandparents. If you're a little older, think of your parents. If you're a little older than that, think of you. So when you look into 
the amount of deaths that have occurred. There was this one Chinese study from mainland China where this is affecting. And there is some good news. There were no deaths that occurred in people age nine and younger. The cases that were in the age group of 70 to 79 were 8%, and 80 or older, 14.8%. That's from the medical journal, journal JAMA. So, the fatality rate, the fatal, fatality rate, I apologize, was 49% among critical cases and elevated among those with pre-existing conditions. So, what that says to me is, again, good news. Children generally aren't being affected by this. That's awesome. But keep your grandparents in mind. Keep your sick family members and friends in mind. Don't be careless. If people say, don't go, don't go out, if there's a quarantine at your job, or people are, or you knowingly came in contact with this, stay home. It's not worth potentially, you might be fine, but it's not worth potentially killing your sick friend or your grandparent. So this, all this corona talk, coronavirus talk, it affects the stock market. And it's been as bad as you could probably imagine. that um, There have been worse weeks, but this is pretty terrible. It lost over 7% on Monday. Rebounded a little bit yesterday. It gained points, but then it lost all that today. It lost 1,400 points. And 64 points today it's down 5.86 percent and again this is one of those things it's probably not going to get better and i'm no economist and I, I never took an i never took an econ class in my life but you look at oil prices are extremely low they plummeted on monday so that's really what fueled this and that's caused by nobody wants to fly right now nobody wants to fly out of the country nobody really wants to fly around the country because if you think about these airports can you imagine a more germified place than an airport yet we're all worried about toilet paper i don't know where toilet paper came in I don't really understand that one, but everybody's stocking up on toilet paper. I just picked up my brother from work. He works at a supermarket, and everybody everybody has these big things in their cart. It's just mind-boggling to me. But anyway, Boeing lost a lot today. They're a big airplane manufacturer, and this all causes a ripple effect. And frankly, I don't think there's a lot of confidence in the government's leadership here. I don't think they believe Donald Trump to be telling the truth about things. Why would you? I don't think, I think there's concern about people being scared. I think a lot of people might even think they could have this, but there's no way of knowing it because we lack test kits to test for this. And that happened for a lot of different reasons. I'm not just going to go blame Trump for that. 
But what I could blame him for is firing his pandemic response team two years ago for budget reasons. The debt has skyrocketed during Donald Trump's presidency and the deficit has skyrocketed. But yeah, let's cut corners here with the people that'll handle pandemics. Eh, It'll probably never happen. Well, here we are, because the World Health Organization declared it today to be declared the coronavirus to be a pandemic. So what happens from here? Well, it would really help if we had people telling us the truth. Uh, Donald Trump was on Sean Hannity's uh, Fox show on Monday. And he was talking about, or I think it was last week, actually, I apologize. And he was talking about the coronavirus. And the Trump response to this has been to downplay everything. And blame the media, blame the Democrats. And I understand if Donald Trump or anybody in the government wants to say the media shouldn't cause a panic. I would agree with him. That the media has a responsibility to keep people calm but tell them the truth their number one the number one job in media is to tell people the truth and if the truth is something that's unfortunate that's too bad and the world health organization again not a media not a, not associated with any media said that the death rate for this is at 3.4 percent overall So Donald Trump goes to Sean Hannity, I actually think it's at 1%. What's that based on? I talk to people. Who? Nobody. I'll answer that one. This is what he does. This is why he is fundamentally incapable of being president. And I don't take any joy in saying this. I, I, I'm, again, I think I mentioned I'm 25 right now. I was in college during the last election. And I was a volunteer for Bernie Sanders, and then I interned for Hillary Clinton on her general election run. And I had a lot, well, not a lot, but I knew a few people who did not want to support Hillary, and they supported Bernie in the primary. And I would always bring up two things to them for why they should vote for Hillary and not stay home, or potentially vote for Trump, or vote for Jill Stein, or Gary Johnson, What I would tell them is, number one, Donald Trump will appoint conservative Supreme Court judges, and he'll appoint conservative judges across the board. So if you care about progressive policies, you should go and vote for Hillary Clinton, because she will definitely pick better judges than Donald Trump. But number two, and I thought this was more important, Donald Trump is uniquely unqualified to handle something like this so why do i say he's uniquely unqualified to handle this because he he lacks empathy like almost nobody i've ever seen before he and he's always thinking everything through the premise or the perspective i should say of how does this affect me he's constantly doing that calculation and the only reason he really cares at all about this is because the markets do he was in oklahoma or excuse me he was in tennessee looking at tornado damage and he's wearing a keep america great hat 
with tornado victims, with people who lost loved ones in a tornado, people that lost homes, businesses. And he's out there essentially campaigning. That's what I mean. That's going to be his response. He's going to make it about himself. He'll do it every time. That's Donald Trump. And he was telling the story about this eight-year-old boy who, I guess he he was uh, taken by a tornado, and he was thrown in the air, and then he landed a couple blocks away. And Trump was really into the story, and he's telling it like it was some wonderful thing, like some miracle that this tornado, I don't know, didn't rip the kid apart or something. And then he asks about his fan, his the rest of his family, the rest of this uh, boy's family, and they all died. And Trump couldn't move on from the topic quick enough. And then he goes, "All right, let's go see the rest of the damage." He doesn't have empathy for anybody. In the way he's going to handle this crisis, I promise you, he's going to handle it through through what's best for him. He's going to put himself first in this. Do not kid yourself into thinking that he has your best interests in mind because he does not. He's going to downplay this as much as possible. And I'm all for keeping people calm. I am all for it. You should. The media has a responsibility to report things in a responsible way. But you also have to be frank. Now, I know he's going to be addressing the country tonight. I really don't I, I don't know what he's going to say, but I assume he's going to continue the road uh, continue down the road of just downplaying this so that is the news portion of the show thank you so much everybody for listening in this is my first deep dive this is my first news show so please i i am on spotify i am on anchor podcasting uh, that's anchor.fm so please listen please subscribe and stay tuned.